This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Hi, everybody. This is an exciting episode because I am talking with Tia Slidem, and we are talking about positive parenting. And whenever I ask people what topics they want to hear about on the podcast, positive parenting always comes up. And I think it's something that we hear about a lot, like the term positive parenting, but people don't necessarily know what it means, or they have an idea of what it means that is not accurate. Tia is so knowledgeable. She delivers the message very clearly and it's easy to understand. She is a parenting coach, a teacher, a best-selling author. She has two boys, 12 years old and nine years old. She is the founder of Tia Slightham Parenting Solutions and the Parenting with Purpose Method. And she has dedicated now her time to helping parents avoid exhaustion and overwhelm with simple and effective strategies. One thing that I have learned since having Milo is that this very simple, simple everyday changes or things that we do are the things that make the biggest difference. So for example, when Milo was a little bit delayed in his language development, we started doing these little tiny changes that my friend who happens to be a speech language pathologist, Alexandra, she told us these simple little things to change in our everyday interactions with him and it made a huge difference. And so When it comes to positive parenting, it's a similar idea. It's just these small little changes that you do throughout the day, like, for example, giving your child options as much as possible to make them feel like they're in control. And these little things make a huge difference in your child's behavior and how they feel and behave throughout the day. It's honestly like parenting is kind of like when you think about training a dog, like if you hire a dog trainer to come over to your house, they're not training your dog. They're training you how to behave or interact with your dog. And that is what makes a difference. Parenting is the exact same. It's how are you interacting with your child or responding to what they're doing? And that is going to affect the outcome and how they behave. And of course, you know, there's going to be moments that are not necessarily in your control. They're going to still have tantrums like they are kids. They are toddlers. They're young children. There's going to be those things, but it's how can you minimize it and how do you properly react to it to kind of decrease the number of times that it's happening or decrease the level of tantrumness. Is that a scientific word? I don't know. So in this episode, Tia tells us what positive parenting actually is and what it is not. She gives us key strategies or changes that we can make in the everyday to have a more positive parenting approach with our children. We talk about, you know, bedtime routines, how to avoid unwanted behaviors. She also gives us her five ingredients to connect each day with your child and fill buckets. She has power buckets and I think the other one was 
connection buckets? I'm not sure. You'll have to listen. So this has been a long-awaited episode. If you don't already follow Tia on Instagram, her handle is at Tia Parenting Coach. Then definitely go give her a follow because she has really great resources and little tips. She is also now an avid TikToker, which I love. So definitely check her out on TikTok. Something that I love about TikTok is that it's these 15 or 30 second little clips and you can gain so much value from them from people like Tia. So yeah, that's all I have to say about that. I will get into the episode now. So without further ado, please welcome Tia Slightem to the mom room. So today I am talking with Tia Slightem. She is a parenting coach and I wanted you to tell us, because I follow you on TikTok, on Instagram, we talk every now and then, I was curious to know about your family, your background, and why you became a parenting coach and kind of how that happened for you. I know, like, how does that happen? How does somebody become a parenting coach? (laughs) I know. So yeah, so my journey actually started back as a kindergarten teacher. So I was an all day kindergarten teacher in the States before I met my husband and moved to Canada. I have my master's in early childhood education. And I was fascinated one by seeing how other teachers were treating their students, yelling, closing the door, screaming at them, timeouts, things that just didn't feel great to me. And I was dedicated to like getting my 30 students whom 90% were non-English speaking. I mean, I had 35 year olds in this classroom and I needed to get them to a place where they could learn and have independence and responsibility, but I didn't want to do it that way. I didn't want to do it like the other teachers were doing it. And so I worked really hard to create systems in positive ways. And so, so much of what I learned in my classroom is what I took to help raise my own two boys and now develop my parenting practice because I knew if I could do it with 30 kids year in and year out and get them to, you know, if I could just say, show me your eyes and ears and they would put their hands down and stop cutting and they'd look at me. And I was like, if you can get 30 kindergartners to do that and nurture them and believe in them, you can do it with your own kids. And then when I did it with my own kids, I was like, everybody else can do it because all it is, is skills. So that's kind of how I ended up where I'm at. And and now I'm obviously I'm certified in positive discipline and I've been coaching parents for over 12 years. That's amazing. So you don't teach anymore. I don't teach anymore. I still have my teaching certificate. I could still like supply teach if I wanted. I keep that up because I just think it's a great, you know, thing to have, but no, I'm actually teaching parents now instead of kids. So that's basically what we're talking about today is positive parenting. I feel like we hear about it a lot, but many people probably don't know what that means. So maybe we could start there. What is positive parenting? Yeah. Sometimes we have this idea in our mind that we're the adult, we're the, you know, parent, you got to do what I tell you to do because that's how we were raised. Or, you know, back when authoritarian parenting was the only way you listened to your, you know, the adults and you did what they said, because if not, it wasn't pretty. Maybe it was physical, maybe it was mental, but it was out of fear. And so we now have this idea that we either 
have control parenting that way. But if we're quote unquote positive parenting, then we're letting our kids run, a, get a, run away with everything and get away with everything. And it's like all nicey nice, like, oh, it's okay. No, thank you. No, thank you. And that's not actually what positive parenting is. Positive parenting just means you're not overpowering your kids. You're not trying to create a fear-based environment. Rather, you're guiding, teaching, and supporting with mutual respect. We need to treat our kids the same way we would want to be treated. And I always say, to parents, like do a litmus test. If you are saying something to your kids or doing something to your kids, and if your boss was watching or your best friend was watching, would you say or do the exact same things? If you wouldn't, chances are you are not parenting with positive in a positive way because that doesn't feel good to parent in that way. And I know that. And every parent who responds in that way wishes they didn't. But that list, litmus test can be really powerful every time you say or do something to your kids. Would I do that if my best friend were there? Would I do that if my boss was watching? And if the answer is no, then we want to work on gaining some positive parenting skills so that you can help teach those lessons. Our kids aren't going to run the roost. They're not in charge. But we we are quote unquote in charge in a positive way where we're not overpowering. And I always think about, you know, like how would you want to be treated? And I think as adults, we look at kids and not that we don't think that they're human, but like you said, we have this idea that no, they should just listen to everything that I say. And it's like, like, I'm not that way as an adult. If someone tells me to do something, I'm questioning it. And that's kind of what you want to build in your kid. You don't want them to just go through life, you know, listening to someone just because they're in a higher up position than them or, you know, it builds character, I guess, like critical thinking skills to be able to be like, well, why? So why do you think, like you said, it's because we grew up or a lot of us grew up with that kind of parenting. And so do you think it's difficult for people to see, because I feel like a lot of people grow up in that way, let's say with an authoritative parent, that's just like, do as I say, and that's it. And then they grow up thinking like, yeah, that's the way to do it. Like it worked for me, but then they don't realize maybe they are a certain way or they have certain characteristics that are because of that. How do you get that message across to parents who maybe were raised in that way and don't know anything different? Like, cause they must hear positive parenting and be like, oh yeah, okay. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So, and that happens so often, especially when I am doing a TikTok video, I will get a whole gamut of comments and sometimes it's like, well, just spank their ass and then they'll listen. And well, and if, if people believe those things, I'm not here to tell anybody that my way is the only way or my way is the right way. Like you have to do what works for you. So a lot of parents who were raised that way will sweep it under the rug because they don't want to admit that they're maybe not doing it the right way or that there's a better way. Other parents will say, I don't like how I was raised. I don't want my kids to feel like that. What can I do? Those parents still have habits to break. We all have, you know, paradigms and thoughts that stick with us. We all have habits, but they're in a place where they are willing and able to make change. So is it possible to change those habits? A hundred percent, if you're willing and able to want to do that. Yeah. And I find it's a learning process. Even with me, you want to react in a situation one way, but once you start practicing and it takes practice to not react in that way and try something else then I see that that works. And so I'm more likely to try it the next time again and again. And then it just becomes habit. Like the biggest thing for Milo is giving him options. 
And if I never heard that tool from wherever I heard it from, then I wouldn't think to use that. But I use it once and I see how it works. I'm like, wow. And so now that is our go-to for everything. Like doesn't want to go to bed. It's like, do you want daddy to carry you to bed or do you want to walk? And then he's like, oh, I get power. Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. Oh, okay. And it kind of stops him in his tracks. And then he always wants to walk. We know that. But as soon as we ask that question, give him an option, you know, and some nights are off and you're going to have a bad night and that's expected. But for the most part, just giving him an option, like which socks do you want to wear? You know, he'll be like yelling, no socks, no socks. And then it's like, okay, do you want to wear this sock or this sock? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's like, it's, it's like we're in control, but we're giving them control. And that's the trick. And you're right. Like if you wouldn't have heard that or learned that you wouldn't know that. And that's because parenting is a learned skill. We can't expect ourselves to know how to do these things and expect ourselves how to break habits and go from authoritarian parenting to positive parenting. You don't just miraculously come up with it. You have to learn it someplace, wherever that place might be. Yeah. It's tools. And like, I'm pretty educated. My husband's educated, but we're not educated in parenting. We're not educated in how to deal with a toddler, you know? So it doesn't matter. Like you need to learn the tools and it's so helpful once you find things that work for you. Oh my gosh. Like it just makes the days go by so much better. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. 
We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. So what are your favorite strategies or changes that parents can make every day to adapt or adopt a more positive parenting approach? So definitely choice. You're exactly right. Like choice equals power. And I quote that as a proactive choice. So your proactive choice is doing things up front so that your kids feel like they, they have control and they have power. And sometimes we think, oh, we're just offering them a choice. Like, what does that matter? What matters is when they don't have a choice and you've given them lots of choices throughout the day. Now, when they don't have a choice and it's a non-negotiable, they don't have their heels dug in the ground thinking, oh my gosh, my parents tell me what to do all day long, like a drill sergeant, but rather I have lots of choice and it's easy. And now they want me to do something. Oh, okay. That's fine. I'll do it. We're the same exact way as adults. We don't want somebody barking orders at us, but if somebody's giving us a lot of freedom and then your boss comes in and they're like, Hey, you know what? Can you just do this for me? You're like, yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. But if they're like, do this, do that, do this, do that. You're like, screw you. I don't want to do that. So definitely choice is one to take away. Another thing that parents should really think about that they can do even without all the skills. One is take notes where you're feeling frustrated. Like every place you're feeling frustrated, any situation, any challenge, write down what time of day was it? Because that helps us figure out, is it something that is related to sleep? Is your tired over child tired? Should we focus there? Is it situational? Is it every time the TV goes off? Is it every time your child transitions? And you won't know your days will blend in. You think you'll know, but you won't. But once you start taking notes, like every time the TV goes off, oh my gosh, for a week, we're having a tantrum. I need to figure out how to transition this. Or my child tantrums every night before bed. They're not asleep till 9.30. I need to focus around bedtime. So that is one thing I, I really recommend all parents do. And then a third tip would be when your child's doing something you don't like, try and step back and think about what you want to say or do before you do it or say it. Relate it to the crime. So if your child, so often parents will say, well, I, I grounded them and I told them no TV for a week or I took away their toy for a month or no play dates because they wouldn't eat their dinner. If it's not related to the issue, so your child doesn't eat dinner and you take away a play date, your child doesn't turn off the TV, so you won't let them go to a friend's birthday party, it creates a sense of overpowering. And so really trying to think about what you're going to do or say before you do it and making it makes sense. So if your child's not turning off the TV, then your consequence or your next step should be around the TV, not something unrelated to help decrease power struggles. I find a lot of the times people have common issues. And so for me, 
Like I find with Milo, like every kid is different. So he doesn't have an issue usually with us turning off the TV or turning off his tablet or whatever it might be. And like you were saying, it's probably because we give him so many options throughout the day that maybe that's not a big deal. Like every day we pull up to daycare and I ask him, okay, like it's time to turn off your game. Like I brush his teeth in the car. at school because it just works for us. But, and he's totally fine with it. But I think parenting, you assume that your child is going to have issues that everybody else has, but it's not. So it's good to take those notes because you might not have an issue with turning off the TV, but you might have an issue somewhere else. So the issues change. It's like, as soon as you get one thing sorted out, then maybe the issue is going to pop up somewhere else. And it's like, okay, now we adjust and figure out what to do there. Yeah. You're always fine tuning and tweaking based on age and stage, but the core foundations, strategies, and systems remain the same. So once parents learn the tools to create battle-free days from morning to night, you're not changing it when your child becomes six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or even 12 like mine. It's just adjusting it. So my boundaries and my expectations are different for Hudson now that he's 12 than when he was two. My language is a little bit different. Obviously, it's more advanced now. I have more expectations for him because he's more responsible now. But my philosophies and my foundations all remain the same. And that's why you create battle-free days ongoing because your child trusts you. They know that you're not going to overpower them, that you're always going to use mutual respect, that you're always going to be fair in whatever you're delivering. Even if it's a hard lesson that they have to learn, it's going to be set up in a fair way. And so now you don't have those power struggles. Like parents will often say, well, you know, Todd, terrible twos and the three majors, and it doesn't have to exist. It only exists because they're developmentally doing what they're supposed to do. And in order for us to help them do their best, we have to do our part in learning those skills. Right now, I find it a little bit easier with Milo because he's more verbal. But what are some positive parenting tools that parents can do with kids who maybe aren't verbal or able to understand what you're saying or boundaries that you're setting? We need to talk to our kids so much. So even when our kids aren't talking yet, like I always say, when the baby's in the womb, you like read to them and you read the second they come out and you point to the words and you talk to them because they, I mean, they are growing and maturing so rapidly. They understand so much more than we give them credit for. So a lot of times toddlers who aren't speaking yet, They understand what you're asking them to do, but they can't express their feelings back and that creates the frustration. And so I often recommend using age-appropriate charts and routines. So a, a common challenge I get is my child throws a tantrum every day before they go to daycare or on the daycare days or the school days. And it's without, no matter what, when I say it's time to go, they blow up. Now, some of that can be because they're overtired. Maybe they're over hungry. Maybe they, you know, there's other factors we want to consider. But if they're well rested, if they're well fed, and they're really having a hard time transitioning, I would say they're probably having a meltdown and not a tantrum. And how can we help them through that? How can we guide them through that? So a simple chart that has like a little apple and a pencil on a school day and a little house on the home day, and you have it up on your fridge. And every day you talk about today's a home day. Oh, tomorrow it looks like it's a school day. Hey, can you go over and point to the chart on what, what happens on Wednesdays? Oh, it's, is it a school day? or a home day and give them some power, give them a sense of what's happening in their day because 
we know what's happening in our child's days from start to finish. We have the day planned out. We're pretty, we pretty much know they don't know. And then we just want them to do what we tell them to do because we have it planned out. And then that's where we create those power struggles. So even little charts and routines can help them have control over their day. And another way to help kids who aren't quite verbalizing yet is children's books. And I know we talked about this before, but my children's book corner is an amazing resource for parents to get books about the areas and times of the day that your child's frustrated in and then read those stories to them. That not only helps with their language development, but it also helps them understand that you understand their frustrations. And you can start to ask age-appropriate questions and start to have little conversations based on the language that you're learning in the children's book, which help the parents learn how to communicate at an age-appropriate level. Yeah, I loved that when we talked about that before. Like there's a book for everything. Like I had some potty training books, like teeth brushing books. And then if you're reading them regularly, it's almost like they're learning that script. Like, oh, okay, I go brush my teeth like after our bath or whatever. Can we talk a little bit about consistency and why that's so important? Because I think parents struggle with being consistent. And for us, every once in a while, we'd have issues with his bedtime And because it was never consistent, I was like, okay, like we would just let it go. And okay, it's going to be over in a few days. It's fine. But then it started to get worse. And so we made a plan to be consistent and set boundaries. And so now we know whatever happens that night, we're doing the exact same thing that we always do. And it's been so helpful. Like he'll still have little issues but it does not last long at all. And it's the same every night. It's like, you know, a little cry. I go in, help him like calm down, read him a book, leave. And then he might whine a little bit and then he goes to sleep. So that has really helped us. But I think parents struggle with being consistent. So what does not being consistent do and why is it so important to be consistent? Yeah. So our kids are born with two predetermined jobs. The first one to please you and the second one to push boundaries until boundaries are found. So if you are inconsistent, your child does not know your boundary and they have to keep pushing. Like they are doing an excellent job at their job. So that's why if you start to take notes during your day and you see that I'm having a challenge area at bedtime or mealtime or getting ready or online learning, you're probably going to look at it and be, and you ask yourself, am I concrete, clear, and consistent in this area? And the answer is probably no. So for you for bedtime, you were like, okay, we're struggling here. We're not consistent. I need an action plan. So every area that you start to write down, you're going to see gosh, I'm not that consistent in that area. And that's why you're having challenges. So bedtime challenges with toddlers and up are not because they can't sleep. It's because we're not consistent and we don't have a clear action plan and they have to keep pushing. Meal times, you run around with a fork, you chase your child, you tell them no dessert, you threaten them that they can't come back up if you're gonna throw it away, then you don't throw it away. And sometimes you do. Now we're having mealtime challenges, not because they can't eat, not because they probably don't even wanna eat. They probably want to eat, but they're pushing the limits because you haven't set the boundaries. So really like the key factor in easier parenting is having consistent action plans. The worst thing with Milo is that he's so cute and sometimes he pushes boundaries and it's so cute the way that he does it. Like he's not in a bad mood. He's like smiling and he's like, oh, we can read one more book. We'll read another book. 
like, we'll read another book. And I'm like, oh God, oh God. Like, I'm trying not to laugh, but gotta be consistent. Yeah. You gotta be consistent. Yeah. Cause as soon as you're not, they're going to take that inch and run with it. And then you're back to square one. And I always tell parents, each time you set a boundary, you're making a promise to your child. So if you are not consistent, you've actually broken the promise. And when you break a promise, you don't trust that person that broke that promise to you. You don't have faith in them. You don't really believe that they're going to be there for you or that when they say something, they mean it. And so that's where we lose our validity in what we say to our, our kids because they actually don't trust us. So if you really want your kids to, to listen to you, you have to mean what you say and say what you mean. Yeah. And I feel like before when we were being really inconsistent, he wasn't at the age where he is now, where, like you said, like he's smart now, like he understands. So I think that's why the issues would just kind of come and go and we didn't have to be consistent. It didn't like, he would just get over that phase. But now that he's at this age, he's a man, he's the boss. Yeah. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah. He's like 25. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. For 
example, let's use the refusing to go to bed thing. Like what is a way someone that practices positive parenting would respond versus someone who maybe does not do positive parenting? Yeah. So the parent who doesn't do positive parenting, who's just kind of flying by the seat of their pants is probably going to bed at random times, depending on the day. Sometimes they lay with their kids. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they let them come into their room. Sometimes they don't. Their kids come in and out of bed multiple times. They need more water. They need another drink. They need to go potty. Their room's too dark. And they're really basically jumping through hula hoops every single night, probably to the point till they're so overtired and so frustrated that the parents lose their shit. And then they yell, and then they feel guilty, and then they cycle it again. So that's probably how the parent without the action plan, without the positive discipline skills, would react to bedtime. Whereas a positive discipline parent would know how to help set their child up for success. So, so much of what we do during the day is what's going to help our kids be successful at bedtime. And so much what we do at bedtime in their sleep helps them be successful during the day. So it's all connected. So they would really be working to set the stage from morning to night. And when it comes to the actual bedtime, they would have a concrete, clear, consistent action plan that taught their kids to go to bed, stay in bed, fall asleep independently and sleep all night without having to lock doors or leave them to cry for hours or feel badly about doing it. But when you teach them those skills, and you hold firm in your boundaries in a positive way, it actually decreases your child's anxiety. It helps them feel at ease that to know what to expect. And then you're also doing a favor by meeting their needs of sleep because lack of quality or quantity sleep can actually equate to around 90% of the unwanted behaviors parents are seeing. And so if you're not going to fix sleep, you're not going to fix day. And if you don't fix day, you're not going to fix night. So that parent's going to have an action plan that they can really follow through with. When you were describing the parents that were not positive, like that was literally what we would do. Like just take them downstairs, like let them come into our bed, like just whatever. Cause at the time, like before we had the plan, it was almost like, let's do whatever is going to work in this moment. What's easy for us. But what happens is one night I might not mind like taking them downstairs for a half hour or whatever it is and then putting them back and it works. But then the next night, it's absolute chaos and I just want alone time. And so I like how you said when you have a plan, they know what to expect, which is lovely. <laughs> and you and you need to know what to expect because you're right. Some days we have more patience. Some days we don't. Like I'm not perfect either. Like yesterday, I was hangry in the afternoon. I was so busy during the day. I didn't eat enough. I didn't get to go for a walk with my boys in the afternoon, which we try and do so that we can connect. I didn't have the time to do it. And so I didn't make time to connect with them. I didn't make time to take care of myself. And then when I did see them, they were just playing with each other, but they were loud, but they were just playing. They were doing nothing wrong. But I was like, guys, can we just calm down? And they're like, whoa, mommy, what happened? What are you snapping for? And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm sorry because it actually has nothing to do with you. It's actually because I'm hungry I didn't connect with you. That's my fault that we didn't make time to connect today, not yours. So you're a little bit unruly because we didn't have our time. I haven't been out here with you at all and I'm hungry. And so now I'm snapping at you like it's your fault and it's not. So I am so sorry, guys, because that is not okay. And we're human. There's going to be days where we are going to snap or we're going to be hungry or cranky or have a headache or not have the patience. But if you have an action plan, you just follow it. 
you just follow it. So you feel so much better. And then they stop pushing because they feel so much better. And I just can't stress enough to parents how if you're struggling and you're writing your lists and it's like, oh my gosh, my whole day is a nightmare. It doesn't have to be like that. It can all be changed. All of it. Can you talk a little bit about why it's important to apologize to our kids? Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, we want kids to know that mistakes are okay. Like mistakes are learning opportunities. Like every time I make a mistake in my business, in my personal life, we grow. If you don't make mistakes, you're not growing. And so if we are looking for perfection in our kids, they're going to be anxious and have fear of trying new things. And and that's not going to be a positive experience. So we want to let them know that we make mistakes too. Yes, we're the adult, but we're not perfect. Every time that you make a mistake, even parents, clients of mine who are trying so hard not to yell, and then all of a sudden they yell and they just, they go back a step and they yell. They feel so, so badly that they yelled. And I said, you feel more badly now than you did before because you have awareness, because you know there's a better way, because you know you don't like what you're doing. But the best part is you have awareness. So that means you're taking the right next step. So apologize to your kids. Let them know that you're aware. I am so sorry that I just yelled at you guys. It's not your fault. And and if it is something that your kids are doing, then I'm sorry I yelled, but this isn't working. We need to come up with a plan. And maybe that's a plan that you come up with because you have toddlers. Maybe you have older kids, so you come up with a plan together. But without apologizing, you basically tell them that you can act however you want and you never have to own up to it. But then they fight with their sibling or they say something rude and parents force their kids to apologize, which doesn't work either. But we don't want it's not a one-way street. Like we're equals here in this parent-child relationship. Yes, we are the guide. We're the alpha in a positive way, but we're equals. We don't deserve anything different than they deserve. What are some of your favorite tips that you give parents to avoid unwanted behaviors? Sleep is the number one thing you got to do. You have, if you are, if your kid is not sleeping, like you have to figure that out first. Like you cannot have a, a child that is expected to be reasoned with without it. Positive behaviors, definitely working to fill the positive, the, uh, the attention and power buckets. So I definitely recommend to parents to do my golden time formula, which is five ingredients a day, which is spending one-on-one time doing something your child loves, unplugging from your phone and giving that time a name. My son, when he was four, named at golden time, but we need to take time daily to connect with your kids. Your child's ultimate job is to connect with you. They, they desperately want that. So when you see unwanted behaviors, it's actually their way of trying to connect with you the only way they know how. So definitely doing golden time. And I have a free guide that I can share the link with you if you'd like that parents can download for that. And then filling power buckets. So choice is a great way to fill, fill power buckets, giving them opportunities to feel capable. So ask yourself during the day, am I doing things for my kids that they can already do themselves? Am I cleaning up their toys? Am I taking their dish to the counter? Am I throwing away their wrapper from their snack? If they are capable of doing it, then we need to set the stage to teach them to do that because that actually builds their confidence and their power buckets. That is so neat that you said that because my biggest thing with Milo is he loves doing stuff. So if there's even a little piece of 
like crumb or something on the floor, he'll pick it up and show me. And I'm like, can you go put that in the garbage for me? And he's like, oh yeah. And he runs and goes and puts it in the garbage. Like he loves to help me vacuum. He has his little Dyson vacuum that he mm-hmm. uses. He used to have that. Yeah. I love that. And it's so simple. And I'm sure parents, you know, when you're busy, you're like, oh, I'll just do everything myself. Like I really try and take time to get him involved in what I'm doing. If I want to vacuum, then ask him to help. If there's something on the floor, go put it. Oh my God. The other day he picked up my husband's empty coffee mug and he knows that the dishes go in the sink, but he can barely reach the counter. Right. So he kind of like lobs it (laughs) over the counter and we thought the the mug broke in the, in the sink. I was like, Oh, well, Yeah. So, so a little tiny stepping stool by the sink where he can step up and put it in. Or sometimes if you are doing dishes at night, put the stool over there, fill it up with soap and water and let them put their plastic dishes in. Let them wash the things that you're okay with. Just kids love to be helpers. Sometimes I, I, with my kindergarten students at the end of the day, I would give everybody a wet one and we would spend five minutes and I'd say, clean guys, everybody clean as much as you can. Oh, they were on the floor. Look at how dirty it is. And my, my maiden name was Gloria. Miss Gloria, Miss Gloria, look at my rag. So dirty. I'm like, turn it over, get the other side dirty. And they, they were like loving it. And I'm like, this is so great. Clean my classroom for me. They want to help. We made muffins the other day. Well, I made them, but he thought he was helping. So I gave him his little bowl and I always just throw random things in the bowl, like oats and chia seeds and he mixes them up. And anyways, all day he was excited to eat those muffins and he kept telling me that he made them. And I was like, this is the cutest thing in the world. That happened because the more you involve your kids, the more invested they will be. So if you involve them with their bedtime routines, if you involve them with your plan on how to get out of the house in the morning, If you involve them in prepping meals or snacks, they are invested in it because it has meaning to them. If we just drill Sergeant, there's no meaning attached. And then confidence. Like you can just see how he's so proud of himself when he does things. Filling that power bucket, 100%. Yep. So attention and power buckets are a daily thing to help decrease power struggles. What is one piece of parenting advice or concept that we hear often that you think should just be retired, thrown in the garbage, or, you know, a traditional parenting practice? The idea that our kids go through phases and that they're just going to grow out of it, that has to go away because yes, our kids go through phases in the, in the idea around growing and developing and changing. And so, yeah, my son's a tween right now. So his hormones are obviously changing and he's starting to get like a little mustache. And I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. So yeah, he's going through a phase. But when it comes to behavior, Parents will use the excuse, oh, it's just the toddler phase. Oh, it's just the tween phase. Oh, they're, you know, they think they're 20 going on 25. And, and it's, it's not what the problem is. The problem is, is that we haven't implemented our positive parenting tactics. And so we are hoping for the phase to go away and which it does like parenting, like we have an easy time and then a rough time. If you have positive parenting skills set up, You don't really have rough times. Yes, my son's going through his, you know, tween phase, but it's not bad. It's just he has his hormone times. We talk about it. I know it. I give him space, Um, but it's not a power struggle. Toddlers, you don't have to have the terrible twos. You don't have to have those phases we talked about. Those phases are just 
an excuse for parents to say it's my child's fault that something's going wrong, but really it's actually ours. Yeah, that's powerful. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the services that you offer for parents, where people can find you online and any programs or courses that you have. Yeah. So I have something for everybody. So yes, I offer free coaching on Instagram. I do Monday lives and Thursdays. I haven't asked me anything. I offer free you know, videos on TikTok, which is parenting coach and Instagram is at Tia parenting coach. So you can find free tips everywhere. I also have a blog on my website, tiaslitem.com. So there's something for everybody in that regards. And then I have really small to larger scale courses, depending depending on how serious you want to take it. How much do you want to learn? What kind of life do you want to create with your kids now and ongoing? And starting earlier is always easier than waiting and trying to fix later. Um, So I have things such as my small mini $27 golden time course, my $197 battle-free bedtimes course. Those are kind of like do-it-yourself DIY options. Um, I also have a downloadable parenting handbook that's PDF that you can instantly get all my tools, which is great. That's $97. And then my where I really help parents the most in my practice is inside my program, the Parenting with Purpose Method, which is a 12-week coaching program, which really takes you from exhaustion and overwhelm to a place where you parent feeling calm, confident, and equipped without the yelling, the anger, the punishment, or the guilt. And we set up your systems from morning to night. So everything from the time you wake to the time your child goes to bed is really set up and organized from sleep to sibling rivalry, potty training, sharing, any and all of the above. And then of course, I also have one-on-one coaching and everything's done virtually. So I help parents around the world and I have parents from all kinds of time zones and, and countries inside my program. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I could talk to you forever about so many different topics because it's so interesting. <laughs> and it's like, I feel like parenting is something that, you know, so many people are parents that we are just like, oh yeah, like you just have a child and you just know you're just, you're parenting your child. But it's so helpful to have tools in place and to understand how to parent positively and makes your days so much easier. Yeah. And it'll help your relationships with your partners, your friends, your colleagues. Like I have parents who a couple graduated a couple weeks ago and he's like, I'm putting a Google review on because I took every tool to my team at my office and it completely transformed it. And I'm like, that's so cool, Adam. He's like, I'm going to put it on Google. I'm like, sure, go ahead. So, you know, dads are learning and moms are learning and couples are communicating better and you have less arguments because you're on the same page and you're able to focus on something. If you don't have a plan, you're just flying by the seat of your pants and it causes stress for you guys and, and for your kids. So it it really is amazing to see parents transform during that 12 weeks. After we made our bedtime routine plan, it was so much better because what I found is some days my husband would go, like he would go in his room or, or do something like bring him downstairs. And in my mind, I didn't want him to do that, but I didn't communicate that. We didn't have a plan. So I was like, oh, like, why did you just bring him downstairs? But you have to get on the same page and then it's, you both know what's happening. So I remember specifically the night that I sat him down and I was like, this is what we're doing. Awesome. I'll leave all your information in the episode notes so that people can find you. And I'm going to go get one of these sweatshirts now. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, you're going to Tiki's. If you need help with sizing, depending on the one you're getting, some run bigger, some run smaller, send me a message. Okay, I will do that. Well, thank you so much. Have a good day. Yeah, take care. Bye. Bye. Are you looking for a podcast that'll make you laugh? You came to the wrong place. That's not us. That's not us. Well, it is. We are a husband and wife who chat about raw, real relationship topics. Yeah, like sex. Like money. Like marriage and kids. But we're not afraid to talk about how your newborn baby probably isn't as cute as you think it is. If you're in need of entertainment while you're driving to work, because that sucks, we can join you in the suckage, kind of like being in your ear. Not physically. So if you want to laugh, come check us out. Come check us out. Brought to you by the Laughing Couple Podcast. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.